Well, happy Thanksgiving to you. What a beautiful, beautiful time of year. What a glorious time to be with family. It's great because it's a precursor. It, you know, it leads into Christmas. It's not, it's not Christmas, which once it's over, leaves you a little sense of deflation, you know. You're, but Thanksgiving is just ramping up, ramping up love, ramping up joy. It's a great, great time of year. And this morning, I want, uh, well, there's years of practice. <laughs> this evening, I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving, but I want to talk to you more precisely about a key to the happy life. What is the key to a happy life? What would you think if I told you this evening that there is a key to the happy life? A surefire route to happiness that can dispel worry and cause doubt to flee, that will permit you to live in confidence and to know peace all your days and finally bring you to heaven full of joy. If I told you this, it's especially powerful in the face of hard things, and I know that many of you have been going through are now going through, have just gone through hard things. I, I told you that this, this key to the happy life is especially powerful. When you are ill or when someone you love is approaching death or when you've just gone through the death of a loved one, would you think that perhaps I'd gone to the Kenneth Copeland School of Theology? <laughs> the... Uh, the TV evangelist's school of happy talk. Maybe just the plain old evangelical church school of theology because that's pretty common there at this point now. Would you blame me? Would you say to me, David, you had 20 years to tell me this key and you didn't. Why are you bringing it out 20 years too late? I needed this 20 years ago. I wouldn't blame you if you blamed me. But there is such a truth there is really such a key, a surefire route to joy, and moreover, it can be stated simply put in a sentence. In fact, the Bible does so. Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, be anxious about nothing. Be anxious about nothing. Put aside all the worries Put aside all the tears, put aside all the darkness, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll speak to us this this evening through your word and that you'll give us this key to life and that we will apply it to our lives and know the peace and the happiness that it promises. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the Bible has a very simple recipe for peace that bids anxieties fly away that gives you God's presence in a way 
that gives you peace that surpasses all comprehension, a peace that is greater than your capacity to understand it, deeper and more real than, than the seat you're sitting on, than the concrete of the floor, surpasses all comprehension that will guard your hearts and your minds, which are two distinct parts of you, the heart, your emotions, the mind, the way you think and process, that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says, toss your fears. Put them aside. It's a command. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious in no area. Do not let anxiety grow. Now you're going to say, I, I understand. You're going to say, oh, oh, come on. How can you say this? The Bible gives the reason for this, but it first tells you simply, be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious of the word of God. This is what God says to you. The Holy Spirit inspired this as much as anything in the scriptures. It's as true as Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It's as true as thou shalt not kill. It's as true as God creating in seven days and on the seventh day resting. It is the word of God. Be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. So toss your fears. Have anxiety. Have no place in your life. And wow, <laughs> imagine doing that. Deciding that you will no longer be anxious. Not just in one area. Not just throwing aside anxiety in one realm. But casting anxiety in every realm aside. Deciding, I will no longer be anxious. I will allow nothing to cause me worry. I will give into anxiety in not one area for no reason. Does it sound possible? <laughs> I see one shaking head. And I'm sure that this is just an honest young person and that there are many other minds that are going, I don't believe it. Actually, it's not a dream, not a distant possibility, not some higher level of spiritual reality that's attainable only by the super-Christians. It's not something for the saints. It's not something like the Roman Catholic doctrine of the religious for the saints, you know, for the people who live in monasteries. They can get there, but you can't. This is a command for us all. It is a reality that's available to every life that knows the Lord. Be anxious about nothing. Nor does God command things like this without giving the power and the method to achieve what he commands. But he goes on and he says, but in everything, it's an adversative. Do not be anxious, but, and here's the recipe. This is the, the corollary which makes the primary statement, be anxious about nothing, possible. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if you do this, then the word of God, the promise of God is sure. The command is, be anxious about nothing. The command is, be anxious about nothing. The reason why you can do it is because you, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And then the promise, if you do this, the peace of God 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so there we have it, a key to peace, the key to peace, the key to happiness, the unimpeachable and unassailable guarantee of God that he will give you a peace that will guard your heart, your emotions, your mind, your cognitive reasoning element, your thought processes, in a way that surpasses all comprehension, with unimaginable fullness and completeness, filling it with peace. There it is. It's the promise of God. It's the key to a happy life. Cast anxiety aside in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, bring your request to God and you will have it. Ah, you say, but the challenge is not in the mere words, it's in the doing of it. I can know this, but how do I do this? And you're right. How on earth can you dismiss and put aside all anxiety forever? How can you lead a happy, peaceful life in this day in a nation that's gone mad, in a world that's filled with anger and hatred, with Twitter, or now X, bleeding in one ear, that the sky is falling and the world is dying and that hatred and, and anger are the only currency of this dying world. And in your other ear, Instagram whispering that in the midst of this awful world, you're still ugly. <laughs> and you're falling short. And it's a terrible war world, but you don't even measure up to this terrible world. You're ugly. And you're supposed to have peace? You're supposed to be filled with the promises of God and happiness? How do you do it? God gives the answer in the adversative clause that follows, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So pray in this manner. Pray committing your needs to God. Tell God what you're going through. Tell him the regions, the realms where anxiety reigns in your life. Tell him the worries that you have. Present your requests, your fears to God. Pray in this manner. Pray making your petitions known to God, but be sure to accompany your prayers with thanksgiving. You understand, don't you, that the difference between the atheist and the Christian and the foxhole Foxhole, young people, is a hole in the ground you hide in when bombs are falling and when bullets are flying and you're a soldier. It's a place where you go for refuge in the midst of the battle. You know that the difference between the atheist and the Christian and the foxhole is not that the Christian prays and the atheist does not. Don't be fooled. As the saying goes, there is no atheist in a foxhole. We've been reading the uh, biography of Joseph Stalin in the pastor's college in the last few years. We've gone through volume two. And it's amazing to read that that man who was formally and formally and statedly an atheist and the, the leader of an atheistic nation constantly referred to God. 
Yeah, he'd constantly say, God doesn't want their God this. It's just one of the, the ironies of life is that the guy who is the most formal atheist in the world, the most famous atheist, is constantly referring to God. He was no atheist. In fact, there, the world doesn't know any atheist. He was just a rebellious God-hater. And that's all there is in the world. There are those who hate God and try and deny him and those who love God. And in a foxhole when the bullets are flying and the bombs are descending, every man prays. The difference between the God-hater and the God-lover, the atheist and the Christian in the foxhole, is that in the foxhole, though both are praying, the Christian gives thanks to God. This is the key to a happy life, praying about your needs, praying about your life, praying about the hard things that you're going through or that you've just gone through or that you fear you will go through, praying about illness, praying about facing death, praying about what has just happened in death, praying for your wayward children, praying for everything, and the key to the Christian life to the happiness of the Christian, in the midst of these prayers and these troubles, giving thanks. Giving thanks. The key to a happy life. Giving thanks to God. Praising God. Not saying things and then privately going back to anxiety. Sincerely thanking God. Not doubting His goodness, loving Him not giving an inch to worry, trusting that he is a great king and that in the foxhole or at the funeral or in the hospital or with the baby who is ill, he is in full control. Everyone prays, only some people pray in a way that leads them to peace and power. Everyone prays, only some people pray and know that God hears them. The catch is gratitude. There is a catch. There must be a catch. And there is. You must give thanks. You must sincerely thank God, leavening your petitions with thanks. You must salt your prayers with gratitude. The catch is gratitude. In the midst of the darkness and the prayers that come out of the the hard things that God is taking you through, In the midst of it, giving thanks to God. So you say, well, what if my heart is not in it? What if my heart can't rejoice? What if my heart is not there yet? What if I fear that my heart will never give thanks for what I'm going through? Well, if your heart and your emotions are stuck and say, I can't get through this, I can't be happy. I can't find peace. You work on your heart with your mind. You call your heart by your mind to truth, exercising your mind on truth and telling your heart, heart, listen to me. I need to speak truth to you, fearful heart. I need to tell you something. Everyone knows God exists. The universe declares it. The firmament displays it. You know, heart, that God is. 
but you're doubting that God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. You have sought Him with love in the past, and you've been rewarded. Now listen, heart, don't fear. It's a scoundrel who turns to distrust in the dark and only believes in the light. If your wife treated you like this, only believing in you and trusting you while you're at home, but immediately turning to distrust the moment you leave the home, you would say that she was a scoundrel? The test of a heart is what it believes, not in the light, but in the darkness. If you are only a fair-weather heart, my heart, you are unworthy. If you cannot praise God here and now, you are an unworthy, fair-weather heart. And if that is your temptation heart, let me, let me lead you into truth, the truth of God's, God's greatness and His peace is, is far greater than the truth that you are living by on your emotions. The truth of God trumps your doubts. God is God. He's still your Father. His Son has promised He will never leave or forsake you. Speak to your heart and say, be still, my heart. Be silent. If you cannot give thanks, let me speak for you from my mind. Don't infect my knowledge with your false fears, your emotions. God has said he's your father. He said that even now his son is interceding for you on his right hand. Up in heaven, he has said all things work together for good for those who know him, who love him and who are called according to his purposes. Heart. Don't be like the atheist praying to God in the, in the foxhole, but with no gratitude. That's not the prayer of a son. That prayer of the atheist saying, God, help me now, and later I may serve you. It's not the prayer of someone who knows God. It's the prayer of someone testing him, a challenge. The prayers of one who doesn't really believe. Do this for me, God, and I'll think better of you. Do this for me, God, and I will worship you. Do this, and I may consider your claims. Those aren't the requests of a child, but the demands of a doubter. Heart, when you pray, you need to believe that you belong to God. That God belongs to you as a father to his children. And that God loves you. And if you know that in your mind and you speak this to your heart, you can give thanks in the darkest circumstances because you know that the end of all things for the child of God is joy and peace and light and hope, hope fulfilled, love, that love and love and love and love is the future for you and the reality right now though you may not see it in perfection. So if you are fearful, heart, give thanks with me. Let your emotions be subdued under my strength, the strength of truth. Take these promises from God's word that I'm offering you and shore up your weakness with them. Take my strength upon you, and I will guide you into truth, O heart. 
But of course, it's not always the heart that is the problem. At times, the mind is weak. The heart longs, but the mind says, no, it's impossible. Years ago, when my brother and his wife couldn't have children, hadn't had children for a decade or more after marriage, doctors said it was impossible. I talked with a man who was as close as a brother, part of our family, and he said, I'm not praying for Nathan to have children. He said, God's made it clear, physically impossible. I'm not going to pray for him to have children. It's physically impossible. God doesn't want it. His mind was weak. His thoughts told him that the physical reality trumped anything else. At times, your mind is weak. And when your mind is weak and you can't see the possibility of light in your darkness, then the converse of before is true and your heart must speak to your mind. Your heart must say to your mind, mind, listen to me. Do you remember those initial days of joy when you first came to know Jesus? Do you remember those days of heart? Do you remember that startling knowledge that God was for you and how it lifted your heart so that you thought you could never cry again? Do you remember those days when you first repented and knew the power of God in your life against sin and you thought you were the most super of supermen on earth because you had started to defeat sins that had held you captive for decades? Do you remember that heart or mind? Remember those days? They weren't logical days. They weren't days that were done because you reasoned them out and you applied yourself. They were days because God loved you and God came to you by his Holy Spirit, who is known as the Comforter, by the way, who Jesus calls the Comforter. And he made you know his power. How can you forget that happiness? How can you think that Father who gave his Son for you, who called you from before the foundation of the world, and then sent his son to bear the burden of your sin, who caused his son to die on the cross in your place for your guilt, how can you think that he will not give you all things, oh mind? How can you be anxious? How can you deny him? Deny that he's for you to now, now and today, then you're denying that he's for you in eternity, and you may as well just declare yourself an atheist. Listen to me, mind. You need a little love. You need a little emotion. You need a little of the joy that you've had in the past through me. Let me speak to you and give you that joy again. You have felt the power of God. You have felt the warmth of his presence. You have felt the joy of sin transformed into power. Now that knowledge that is your strength is falling into weakness through your doubt, let my heart, my emotion, my knowledge guide your reason to the point of thanksgiving. Your heavenly Father loves you. You have felt it. You know it. You know the love of Christ. You've tasted the power of that love, the truth of it, the glory of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. 
You have defeated sin. You have been in worship and had your heart lifted to heaven by the worship of the saints as you sing to the glory of God. You know what's true, mind. Don't allow your reasoning that's human and worldly trump what you've experienced and what you know through your heart. Brothers and sisters, Thanksgiving is the test, the great proof of the Christian. You have faith? Yeah. Prove it. Believe the Word of God that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purposes. Believe it. Believe it when your child dies. Some of you have, and you can testify this evening to the truth that God is love. Believe it when your body breaks down. Believe it. Some of you are doing so even now. You're shining with the light of glory, and you know the love of God, though your body is failing and death may be near. Believe that God is for you. In harder places, with your children who are in rebellion right now, listen to those who've been with you in that place in years gone by who tell you God is faithful. Do not despair. Do not go down worldly paths, but trust the goodness of God in the midst of the darkness and give thanks. Stop worrying, all of you. Stop obsessing over the news. Stop listening to the inadequacies that, that Instagram and Facebook are trumpeting to you about you. Stop listening and start dwelling on the goodness of God. Believe that all things work together for good. Believe that Jesus is returning in triumph. The day is coming when all the world will see him. And every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Believe. Do you believe that? Uh, don't, don't, don't be. Okay, so I want to end. So the test of whether you're a Christian is whether you praise God, whether you give thanks to God. And I could go through the Bible and read verse after verse that makes this clear. But if you thank God, then you're a child of God. And if you do not thank God, Romans 1 says the path that goes way downhill, if you know Romans 1, it describes how we began and how we go downhill, because they were not grateful, God turned them over. Believe me, giving thanks is no light thing. When we come to a day that's a day of thanksgiving, are you going to shout for joy in the midst of your assembly, your kids, your family, to the glory of God? Or are you going to be reasonable about it? This is a day for those who are unreasonable. This is a day for you to raise your hands and to scream and shout and stomp your feet because God is good and he has called you and he has promised you eternal life and his son has guaranteed that gift and he is coming back as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He loves you. How can
can you not thank him? Make thanksgiving not just a day, but a life. And begin it today, especially tomorrow. Thank God. Do not be anxious about anything. God is commanding you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, present your requests to God with thanksgiving. Not like a, an atheist in the foxhole, oh God, I'll come to you if you give me this. But like a son saying, Father, I know you are in control. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God will keep your heart and your mind fixed and stayed on him. So thank him, 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 thank him. You have cause to thank God. You must thank God. If you're a Christian, you will thank God because he has done these things for you and he is coming back for you. Let us pray.